Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. A troubling recent survey says that a portion of born-again Christians who still believe Jesus was sinless during his time on earth has declined significantly. Jesus said that he did not come to destroy the law, but to be the fulfillment of it. Listen as Doug shares how the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus and how there are numerous Old and New Testament scriptures that point to Jesus' sinless service. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. A troubling recent survey says that a portion of born-again Christians who still believe that Jesus was sinless during his time on earth, has declined significantly. That truly is troubling. The American Worldview Inventory 2023 found that just 44% of born-again Christians believe Jesus didn't commit any sins during his life on earth. That's down from 58% in 2020, according to the Christian Post. Wow, more than ever, I am praying that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and our hearts awakened. I was recently asked to submit my thoughts about that troubling survey, and it was quoted in Charisma Magazine, along with R.T. Kendall, Dr. Michael Brown, Mario Morello, and others. Here is some of what I submitted for them to extrapolate from. I talked about Jesus' sinless service. I said, today's Christian and the church often fail to grasp and appreciate Jesus as the perfect sacrifice and the amazing freedom he won for all of us on the cross through his covenant blood. In the ever-increasing Antichrist environment we are living in today, we must continue to move from milk to meat, from the superficial to the fullness of Christ. There is no doubt that many would like to be justified by their excuses of the flesh rather than understand what it means to be justified by faith in Christ, even to the degree that some would rather deny or change the truths of God's Word, His nature, and His character to fit those fleshly desires. You see, choices always have consequences, regardless of how much we may try to excuse them, justify them, or even try to legalize them. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. Jesus shares this revelation when talking to the religious leaders of the day when he said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, he says in John chapter 5 verse 39. The book of Jude warns us of the increase of apostasy, the emergence of false teachers and teachings, and ultimately the all-out assault on the truths of God that would take place in the latter days. One of those false teachings is to deny Jesus' sinless service. To do so is to deny the infallibility of God's Word or the Holy Spirit's inspiration of it. If we no longer have the love for truth, the Apostle Paul warns us that we would be then given over to strong delusion. Jesus said, He did not come to destroy the law, but to be the fulfillment of it. And prior to his crucifixion, he often reminded others to do according to the law of Moses and Leviticus when they were being healed. The second sacrifice and the five primary sacrifices in Leviticus that all point to Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, was the grain offering, which is also referred to as the meal or meat offering. The grain offering represents the obedience of sinless service, grain without leaven, which naturally flows out of the surrendered life. Through Jesus' sinless service, He became our grain offering so that we too could freely commune with the Father. And as with the other offerings, the grain offering 
also points to the way we should live through Christ. To be our perfect sacrifice, Jesus had to live without sin to be our justifier and expunger from the damage and the destruction of sin and death. There are numerous Old and New Testament scriptures that point to Jesus' sinless service. Here is just a couple New Testament verses that should be very clear to us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 says, And you know that He, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And again, the challenge is the increasing unrighteous deception that has crept into the church today. The good news is that we know God is not mocked, and He will expose all by His marvelous light. As I've always said, revival will come by choice or will come by circumstance. Let me share an extrapolation from an article that I wrote and was published back in September of 2015. I said, it's deeply troubling to see what we've come to in society today. And personally, my heart aches at all the callousness and the brokenness. Paul, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, reminds us that when we no longer have a love for the truth, we will be turned over to deception and strong delusion. Oh, may our hearts be awakened before we continue down this slippery slope. We're living in what I believe is a Nineveh moment. Nineveh is a type of the state of the nation. Jonah is a type of the church that is reluctant to speak the word of the truth to a sinful, rebellious people. Yet, when he did obey, by the prodding of the Lord and being in the belly of a whale or a big fish or whatever you want to call it, the point is Nineveh repented, and God relented from judging Nineveh for another 100 years. What would happen if righteous voices of truth would speak the truth in love, season it with grace, would speak to the condition of the nation today? Oh Lord, awaken us, your people, the church, and bring revival to the soul of our nation. In July of 2012, Billy Graham wrote an article in which he stated, My heart aches for America and its deceived people. The wonderful news is that our Lord is a God of mercy and a response to repentance. In Jonah's day, Nineveh was the lone world superpower, wealthy, unconcerned, and self-centered. When the prophet Jonah finally traveled to Nineveh and proclaimed God's warning, people heard and responded and repented. I believe the same can happen once again, this time in our nation. In retrospect, we see how prophetic that statement was that Billy Graham gave. You see, there is no doubt that there is a battle for the soul. Will the church readily and willingly obey God and speak at a critical time to our nation and in our generation, so that as with Nineveh, he would show his great mercy and grace upon us? I believe there are some striking parallels. In 2004, long before it became a catchy political slogan, I published an article on the battle for the soul of America, in which I stated there were three major things that would hinder God's blessing from a nation. Number one is ritual or temple prostitution, examples like Hophni and Phinehas. Number two, the shedding of innocent blood, and we're now offering up our children to Moloch. And number three, licentiousness or moral looseness or justifying our lusts of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. We see all three of these in our nation today. Compromise leads us in a path of deception and ultimate bondage. Our liberties and freedoms justified by areas of fleshly compromise opens the way into moral license and ultimately moral licentiousness. In our institutional Christianity, we have prostituted ourselves by choosing to live by preference rather than by conviction. 
We have allowed life and the womb to be attacked mercilessly, with innocent blood being shed on the altars of profit and convenience. This abandonment of our morals have opened the doors even wider for an attack on the American church, which we see even more so today. As we find ourselves fighting like never before to defend our religious liberties, we also must counter these attacks, but at the same time display God's love to those who strongly oppose us. America today is like Nineveh, who is also racing down a path of self-destruction. If the Ninevites did not change their ways and repent of their sin, God determined to allow them to be destroyed. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord tells Jonah, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me, says the Lord. See, Jonah was tasked with an important objective, warn Nineveh to repent or face God's wrath. Unfortunately, Jonah fell prey to two very human desires, the desires to remain in the comfortable circumstances and the desire to be liked by everyone. It's quite easy to draw parallels between Jonah's story and what's happening in our nation and churches today. Nineveh closely resembles America, a land of people unaware and of indifference to God's word. Jonah represents the complacency that has taken hold of the church. Christians have created comfortable surroundings where we are liked and respected by those we know, where we don't often come in contact with people who believe differently. But the time for complacency is over. America's actions demand that the Christians speak up and lead it back to the Lord. If the church decides to flee the spiritual battles it now faces, America will continue down its current path and undoubtedly draw the ire of the Lord. Complicity or indifference, either way, we are accountable to the Lord. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your or our light shine that others may see your or our good works that would bring glory to your Father in heaven. If the church is going to avert national disaster, we must answer two clear questions. Will we remain complacent or in our comfortable circumstances? Or will we please God and lovingly minister to our nation in hopes of turning it back to the Lord? And second, will we speak God's truth even when it's not popular? I remember Leonard Ravenhill in his book, Why Revival Terry, said, This generation of preachers is responsible for this generation of sinners. At the very doors of our churches are the masses unwon because they are unreached, unreached because they are unloved. Sin today is both glamorized and popularized, he said, thrown into the ear by radio, thrown into the eye by television, and splashed on popular magazine covers. Churchgoers, sermon sick and teaching tired, leave the meeting as they entered in, visionless and passionless. Leonard Ravenhill goes on to say, O oh God. Give this perishing generation 10,000 John the Baptists. Or as you've heard me said over the years, we need a prophetic generation, a multi-generational connection that would prepare the way for revival and the coming of the Lord. You see, when God ordained Jonah to Nineveh, he was testing Jonah for complacency. Jonah had become comfortable among his people. He had no reason to travel outside of his own land. The church today must be careful not to end up in that same situation. It's easy to grow comfortable and complacent when we remain in our familiar settings. 
However, when complacency strikes the church, our reach is lessened and our influence is weakened. If we are to change the course of our nation, we must stand up and minister to the land, to our nation, to the nations of the world. We can no longer sit idly by and talk among ourselves, shaking our heads. We must make it known that our nation has strayed from God's path. First, we have to recognize the church has strayed from its mission and path. Jonah warned the city of Nineveh, and because he obeyed God's command and delivered the Lord's word, the city of Nineveh survived and turned to the Lord. And just like our nation has built its own thresholds and doorposts to mimic the Lord's, the church has been guilty of doing the same. Before the church can minister to our nation, we must first be in line with God's word. Our ministries will crumble if we aren't acutely aware of God's word and tune into the spirit of truth, holiness, and grace. We must be lovers of truth and deliver that truth the lives of holiness and in grace. It's easy for us to become disheartened and even discouraged. I know I've been. But we must stop trying to hide from the realities of what God is telling us to do so we can bring healing and hope. Yes, it looks like things are imploding and that God is doing a lot of shaking in the church so that we can be an impact to the culture around us. And yes, there are global challenges. And yes, we're in a critical juncture. But in the midst of it all, God is raising up a people who have not bowed their knees to Baal. We need courageous voices like Elijah, who obeyed God even though Jezebel threatened him. We need strong voices like Esther, who had to choose between staying in safety and comfort or speaking up for what was righteous and true. We need Jonah's and Noah's and Daniel's today. I believe we can see a great outpouring of God's Spirit on an awakened church. It will not be on the institutional church, but we need an incarnational presence of God on the ones who have a love for the spirit of truth, who appreciate the spirit of grace, and who respect the spirit of God's holiness. God will give us this abounding grace and great power to reflect Christ in a world that desperately needs to know Him. Will we be the voices that God has called, even though it looks impossible in the natural realm? Will we rise up and speak the truth, seasoned in holiness and grace? even when it's not popular. I'm reminded of what I shared at the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023, that I sensed that there would be great exposures, that God was going to shed a light on the seen and unseen realms, on the things that were righteous and the things that were unrighteous. And secondly, there would be a large increase of implosions of institutional things that we had so put our trust in. But ultimately, God would bring explosions of His presence And I believe that's what God wants to do now. We've seen an acceleration of these kinds of things in the last few months. We've seen things being exposed. We see the implosions and institutions around us. We see the shakings even in the church. And yet our only hope is in the Lord for His explosive manifest presence to work in and through His people. I believe there is hope. But I believe the question still remains, do we really have ears to hear? Do we have eyes to see? in our hearts open and awakened for the things that God wants to do, I believe we have this grand opportunity for a time such as this to rise up, to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, to be those God has called, to be righteous voices who speak the truth in love, seasoned with grace, even to those who may oppose us, but they need to hear the truth nonetheless, because it's the truth that sets people free. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7000.
888-382-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.